Welcome back. It's been a few weeks since we've been on the podcast hub, but a, a special kind of crossover version, another one of these crossover versions of the OU Sports Extra Pod and the OSU Sports Extra Pod post Big 12 Media Days in Arlington. Eli Letterman, I'm, I'm here with Eric Bailey, who's in Tulsa, Dean Rule in Stillwater. I'm in OKC. We were all out in Arlington. Fellas, what, uh, how are we feeling after getting back uh, last night? And, and what are some of our initial thoughts from Big 12 Media Days 2023? Last trip there, I tell you, I've been there a lot of times and uh, it's kind of bittersweet. I always enjoyed Big 12 Media Days. It was neat seeing four new schools, uh, compacting seven schools into two days and uh, a lot of fun, a lot of expectations for Texas, a lot of uh, for Oklahoma. It's one of those things that what are they going to do this year for Oklahoma State? It's uh, kind of proving the doubters wrong, trying to uh, see what the preseason prognosticators, the media, I guess, is trying to prove the media wrong, trying to see if they go higher. But I had a, it was neat just going out there and getting a taste of football again. It, all, it It's hard to believe it's mid-July, but we're talking football, and I think it's an excitement time for everybody. Yeah, I agree, Eric. It's time to just sit back and say, hey, college football is back. It's a great sport. It's a magical next six months. And this always kind of is the opening to it. So it's great to see that. And, you know, there was a little bit of excitement surrounding this year because, like you said, there are four new schools. You got little BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston representation. And, you know, honestly, I think I think if we went uh, pound for pound, looking at all the Power Five conferences, the Big 12 might have the best assembly of head coach personalities. And I think it was on display for the past two days, and that's always fun to just kind of follow along with. Dean, your favorite personality among the Big 12 coaches? I think it's got to be, you know, I'll say this. It's hard because they're all different in a uh, – they're all unique in a different way. But somebody that stood out because it would have been the first time I've ever talked to them was uh, Dana Holgerson. I think he's always got something interesting to say, and he says it in, in an interesting way. Uh, so for me, when, when we look at all the different personalities, his was shocking, or not shocking, but just, just interesting to see for the first time uh, as, as he comes in with Houston. I can say I really enjoyed hearing from Kalani Sataki as well, the, the BYU coach. And, and on that subject, like we're talking about four new teams. We're also talking, and it was a subject that came up, you know, OU Texas, the final season, uh, part of Brett Yormark, Michener's uh, presentation was about, quote, celebrating the legacies of OU and Texas uh, in, in the conference and their time in the Big 12 this year. And from a Big 12 perspective, it, it wasn't last year where it was Brent, uh, Brett Yormark's very first I mean, it was right after he got hired, we're, we're being told media days, but it had this feeling of renewal and energy because you've got the four new teams coming in. I think for all, all involved, you know, they've successfully navigated getting OU and Texas out that year early. Uh, and Brett Yormark sitting up there and, you know, he's teasing expansion and, and they're talking about, you know, this big new Big 12, they'll have a brand new logo next year in 2024. And so from where we were, what, two years ago, Eric? A little less. We had, this time two years ago, OU and Texas were still Big 12 bound and here to stay. But, to, you know, just under two years from, from the day OU and Texas uh, made their jump for the SEC and everyone thought the Big 12 was a dead man walking. Here we are where the, the Big 12 feels like there's some energy around it. And I do think these four new schools, they're going to be fun this year. But I, I think 
once they're all settled and perhaps with, with one or two more schools coming in from elsewhere, it's going to remain a fun conference. And they seem to, to kind of be moving in the direction of keeping it that way. Well, well, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, think of Commissioner Yormark. Here's a guy who didn't have any, any experience with college athletics. And in one year, look what he's done for this, this uh, conference. I mean, he was, he's really turned this thing around. I've really been impressed with the job he's done in, in just 12 months time. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. He announced that there's going to be a halftime performance, a big time halftime performer. And they're going to announce it in August who that's going to be. Uh, we're all taking bets on who it's going to be. I, I'm, I'm choosing Beyonce now, Jay-Z and Beyonce, just, just throwing it out there, Rock Nation. And we're going to see them come out there and do it. Uh, but he mentioned celebrating the Big 12 this year. He he opened by saying, you know, Oklahoma and Texas will be celebrated this year. Said all the right things about OU and Texas. Uh, and then he mentioned later on in a walk-off that, you know, hey, by the way, they haven't made the Big 12 championship game in two years in a row. You know, so there were some some kind of uh, some subtle jabs at, that the both, uh, both Blue Bloods as they're uh, walking out the door too. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, how this last season with OU and Texas are going to go. I really thought it was a, a real nice tip of the hat to Bob Bowlesby, the outgoing commissioner from a couple from last year. Uh, they named the, the the Student Athlete of the Year, Sportsman of the Year uh, award after Bob Bowlesby. I thought that was a nice touch by the Big 12. And uh, and, and another thing, uh, while we're talking about nice touches, uh, Chuck Carlton, our uh, colleague who passed away uh, last April, they they everyone tipped their hat to him. Uh, I thought that was really neat by the conference. But yeah, going back to this conference, it's going to be a new look. It's going to be 14 schools this year. They're going to get through this year. It, it, everything will be different next year. Uh, but I, I think everyone going into it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun year of football. You know, one more on Chuck Carlton. I thought it was a real nice touch that they had a, a seat for him and a, a place card uh, among the media seating at uh, at the event. A really nice touch. And uh, but but yes, Eric, you're you're right. I mean, Brett Yormark, in a year's time, he, he talked about how much it was the first time he'd really gotten you know been around the college football scene, the college athletic scene, and for what he's done from a business standpoint, you know, kind of goes without saying. But himself, he said it it got me. Uh, I, I I understand it now, and it pulled him in, and he's ready for more. Uh, and and so I think the Big Twelve has its guy as we look around, and the Pac-12 is still puttering around a bit. The ACC until they're out of their ESPN contract is and through 2020, 2036, they're in this kind of a murky state. The Big 12 seems to have got their guy and, and they're moving in the right direction. And as they're battling out with those other leagues, it's kind of all you could ask for, especially from two years ago. Dean, Wednesday, that was Oklahoma State's day. Mike Gundy was there early. The rest of the players, there was some travel issues for OSU I believe a plane issue in Stillwater they had to drive down day of um, but you know by all accounts Mike Gundy was kind of one of the show stealers on Wednesday what was your impression of him why do you think he was so loquacious so eager to talk and and seem I, I say happy to be there but he, he really seemed to relish the opportunity yeah I think he got a cool calm collected version of Mike who wanted to talk and wanted to be honest and and examine things um honestly and I think that's what you got and I think people appreciate that version of Mike Gunny and it's hard to get that version of him um every time you talk to him but regardless that is how he was on Wednesday and you know he, he had some interesting things to say and some of that revolved around Bedlam and this being the last bed that seems to be the story that just you know I think I think Eric wrote it some months it looks good some months it looks bad and I think uh after that comment we're back on the uh 
the bad end of Bedlam continuing. But um, regardless, you got a, a version of Mike that seems optimistic, but there's still a lot of questions around this team and how it's going to look and how it's all going to fit together um, when you have to replace so many starters through the transfer portal in a short amount of time. Um, on paper, you can say, hey, you know, they might have evened out, but I, I think until they get on the field in September, that's going to be hard to do. And, um, you, you know, right now, I think, what, what is today? July 14th. So right now, I think it's, you can somewhat confidently say Alan Bowman is going to be the quarterback. Uh, if there were betting odds out there, that's probably the one that that would be the favorite. But um, Mike Gundy said that competition is going to remain open and it's it's going to be fluid throughout August and who takes that starting job won't, won't be known to a little bit later, but um, overall it, 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 he spoke with the confidence. I think that was expected, but th there's still questions that need to be answered. I guess uh, Dean, I've got more questions on OSU, but is it time we, we should probably address the 800 pound bedlam in the room yeah. and the bedlam conversation from the week that, has grown. I mean, it felt to a degree a bit stale this time last year when both Brent Venables and Mike Gundy were asked about it at Big 12 Media Days. A year later, perhaps even more that way, but Mike Gundy was typically and characteristically emphatic in, in kind of his logic behind why this rivalry might not continue. Brent Venables uh, basically said, I don't pick the games and I will, I, you know, I love rivalries, I love tradition, but I'm going to play the team that's on the schedule kind of very diplomatic. I think Mike Gundy had to do more of the batting down, but it remained a topic of conversation. What did we make, guys, of, of I guess, the the continued dialogue on, on Bedlam? Yeah, I mean, I think first things first, it's, I think as a college football fan, you have to be somewhat sad that, that this is, you know, allegedly going to be the end for a while because it's, you know, it's it's a mainstay. It's obviously... In, in this region of the country, it's it's a big deal and it gets tuned in. And that's why you see it on ABC all the time. Um, I, I think really the, the question is, do you want that as a non-conference opponent? That's not going to be an easy game. And, and you know, I, I know the SEC is not doing the nine, nine game conference schedule, but still, I, I think that's worth discussing because I guess eventually it could turn to a nine game conference schedule and, uh, you know, the Big 12 is going to be nine game conference schedules is do you want that to fill in as one of your uh, your non-conference games, especially as the college football playoffs going to, you know, balloon out to 12 teams here pretty soon? It's going to be interesting, too, because I, I think the fans, the longer this goes on, the fans are going to really crave this game. And I think there'll be pressure on both administrations to make this game work early on. They're going to be sick of each other. I think OSU fans say, why play this game? OU fans will be we're got an SEC schedule. Why do we need to add another conference game? Because I think Oklahoma fans will find more attractive games with Texas, of course, every year that's going to happen. But, you know, there's going to be some, probably some OU Arkansas games, some OU A&M games. There'll be some rivalries that'll creep up that OU fans will be really excited about. But, you know, in five years, everyone's going to see OSU doing good things. OU's going to keep doing good things. And those schools will want to crave playing each other again. So I think early on, uh, they'll need a little break. They'll need a little separation, but, you know, and give, give five years time, let's say 20, let's say 20, 28, 29, uh, these schools will say, Hey, we need to play each other again. Um, how long did it take Eli for uh, KU and Missouri uh, to really 
kind of say, okay, well, let's play. And I know basketball more than football, but how long did it take for them to finally calm down and say, okay, we need to play each other? It was about a decades long cold war. And yeah. um, I think there's actually less animosity around OU and OSU because you've heard from both schools that they intend in everything but football yeah. to maintain Bedlam. We're going to see Bedlam baseball. We're going to see softball. We're going to see those things, basketball, presumably uh, coming up in the coming years. It's football that's off the table, and I, I think that's that's a, a twofold thing. There's the practical in it, and that's what Mike Gundy cites, is that OSU isn't and probably shouldn't blow up its you know non-conference dates they've scheduled out for the next 10, 15 years to cater to OU leaving. And on the other end, you know, same for OU. They're not going to blow things up to maintain this clearly, and, and there will probably be some of that, as you alluded to, Eric, that negativity around this more negativity than there already is around you know that rivalry um but i think eventually it's gonna come i mean mark twain said history doesn't repeat itself but it often rhymes i i think eric like you said we'll have a period where OU's gonna you know enter probably a new stratosphere it's why they're making this move they'll find some different non-con games to play different opponents they've already got some osu will adjust and, and we got to see how these schedules uh settle as well does the sec go eight or nine games what what will the big 12 schedule look like but something tells me whether it's 10 years down the road 15 it's got to be 20 these teams are going to play again this isn't it uh but i at this point it would look certainly like we're not going to get that every year as we have for the last 117 i want to say so this certainly marks a departure i don't think november 4th is the last time we see these teams play in our lifetimes Dean, back to OSU, because I detracted. I was, you, you were going good, and then I said, we got to talk about Bedlam. Uh, what of anything Mike Gundy said this week uh, on Wednesday surprised you? Was there anything in there that, that jumped out um, that, that you hadn't heard in the spring and that uh, was new? I know, I know it's a lot of repeating from the spring. That's what we get at, at these media days. But was there anything that stood out? Yeah, I mean, I think first things first, um, what – our Tulsa World columnist Bill Haston wrote, um, you know, Mike Gundy plans or, or the plan still is uh, 10 more years of coaching. And and uh, I guess we won't know the, the truth behind that until 10 years pass. But it, it's interesting to see that somebody like Mike Gundy, who maybe uh, was a little timid to buy into some of these new college football ideas like a transfer portal. Um, like NIL, uh, to see him say, you know, I, I've still got that fire. I've still got the uh, the want to be around for that long. It's, in, it's even the way he spoke this week. I think you referred to trans, the transfer portal as NIL, like religion and politics. You just steer clear. Uh, so that didn't exactly sound like the most forward thinking. I want to be, you know, in in the future thought. But um, he's he seems to still kind of have that that fire and and certainly as, as he told bill he, he sees that this he doesn't see that exit ramp anytime soon eric what do you make of mike gundy who who showed up i believe uh did uh, one of the radio stations told me he did 22 minutes and he's never gone that long with them and he was very long-winded at other points he seemed as we said before happy to be there and eager to get his voice out who would have knew that, known that uh, Mike Gundy is the elder statesman of the Big 12 Conference of all the coaches by a long shot? He's the guy that 
uh, he sets the tone. His voice carries a lot of weight among all those coaches. And, and uh, yeah, any question you have, he, you know, everyone wants to know his thoughts on everything. And we haven't even talked about him rocking the goat, the, the all gray beard. The beard was, is something. <laughs> he's, I think, yeah, I, you know, I wonder how long, how much planning went into, you know, I wonder how much planning went into that. So, and, you know, I know we've talked a lot about Bedlam, but I, I like his answer about, you know, we can't worry about Oklahoma. You know, he's, he's taken up for his program. He's taken up for his team when he said, you know, Oklahoma, it was their decision to leave. It's not an Oklahoma State problem. It's not a problem for them. They have their schedule set way in advance. So I, I you know, he's he's defending his program. He's going to do what's right for his program. So um, does he need to win more? Yeah, I, I think that's the key. They need to have a good season this year, but uh, he seems invigorated by this year's team. I think uh, there's a lot of questions to answer going coming off of last year. Uh, who's going to be quarterback? You know, what's the offense going to be like this year? But I, I think that this time of year, he really thrives in this setting. He loves. He really does well, and he really had a good day on Wednesday. I mean, we, we every time we seemed like we looked, there were cameras around him. Even when he wasn't scheduled to be talking to anyone, he was talking to people. And uh, it, it was really neat to see. And, uh, you know, how old is he, Dean? Uh, how is, uh, what, 56? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, he he's at that age now where, you know, 10 years from now, he'll be mid-60s and right into retirement age. He could roll right into it. And like you said, we'll see 10 years from now if he, he lasts that long. But there, it doesn't seem like he's slowing down at all. Here's to, to go off your point there, Eric. Mike Gundy was hired in 2005. The next, the 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 second oldest um, current Big Twelve coach, like in terms of tenure at, at that school, uh, it's a tie between Matt Campbell at Iowa State and uh, Kalani Satake at BYU. What year were they? Twenty sixteen. Wow. So eleven <laughs> years. I uh, I mentioned that. I mean, Matt Campbell's well aware, but I when I chatted with him yesterday, I mentioned that after Mike Gundy, you're number one. You you know this league. Um, I mean, I guess, you, you know, you get into, you know, Dana, Dana Holgerson knows this league well, Brent Venables knows this league well, but as a head coach, Matt Campbell is, is second in, in all that institutional knowledge, which is hard to believe considering he's 43 years old. Uh, but that was OSU. Eric, yesterday it was OU's day. Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, Danny Stutzman, Drake Stoops, Jonah Lulu, and I, I kind of this was the thrust of my story, but the Sooners are in very unfamiliar territory this year. They've not been coming off a losing season for 25 years. Uh, they've not been picked lower than the top two in their third this year in the Big 12 preseason poll since 2015 and uh, never lower than that since 2010. And so this is different. And, and Brent Venables kind of hit that from the, the very jump in his podium session, right? Yeah, that was my question to him. I said, Brent, you know, you think about it, and he mentioned this on the podium, uh, 97 of the 123 players in the roster are first or second year players. So this is a complete turnover of the roster. So that means only 26 people on this team have won a Big 12 championship. So I, that's what I asked Brent. My, my first question to Brent when he was on during the breakout session was, that means only 26 players have experienced a Big 12 title. There's not a lot of championship wins on this in this locker room. How do you, you know, how do you, teach that how do you teach that wing mentality and he mentioned it he said that nothing's entitled that's what you press on you know there's no entitlement you got to come and you got to work for it and I think that's the key with this team you, you got to go out there and you got to press them from day one um that stood out to me a lot 
And, and the thing is that he understood that things have to get better. You know, six and seven is not not acceptable. And, and everyone knows that. And he mentioned that in January. That's where they started looking at everything. They, they took a whole reset and did some self-scouting. I mean, and, and it's been said over and over and over. Five of the seven games were last-minute losses. So, you know, what caused them to lose these games? And he said it's competitive depth. That's what they need. They need competitive depth. Uh, they need to, they they started strong. The season started strong. I guess you think about it. They were three and zero at Nebraska. They looked like world beaters. They went up to Lincoln and just dominated Nebraska. That was week three. You know, by week twelve, they they couldn't get off the field. The defense was tired. They didn't have the depth they needed, and that was the key. Is they needed to be. You know, they need competitive depth. They need to roll roll players in, and they just didn't have it. So he's hopeful that they have that now on defense. And he, and he mentioned the positives on defense, too. He said, you know, hey, you, there's building blocks. You look at what the positives are and you build off those. He said, Oklahoma led the Big 12 in interceptions. That's a plus. Oklahoma led the Big 12 in tackles for loss. That's a plus. And, uh, you know, there's always positive things you can build upon. And that's what he's going to lay the foundation for this 23 season. Now, does that mean there's going to be uh, it's going to be automatic that they're going to be better this year and they're going to be win all, you know, win 10 games. No, nothing, nothing happens there, but he said all the right things. And that's what you get from media days. You, you know, no one's going to go and say, oh, I think we'll be average again, but ne- the year after that's when we're going to be good. There's no time for that. Not with the SEC schedule coming in 24. No. And you know, there were kind of, there were buzzwords that came up a lot. Uh, competitive depth and stamina was one of them being more efficient at every level was another that I found interesting. I mean, I, I think, uh, there, there's places you'd look on defense and 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 the offense and, and the way they operated a year ago, and you would have wondered about that. But that that being a word, being a more efficient football program at every level, was another thing he, he spoke about often. But I, I think you know too, and I heard this talking to other coaches across the league. There's recognition both at OU and, and outside that it takes time to set a culture. That's that was another thing that Matt Campbell spoke about. You know, he he I, I asked that you know a bit tongue in cheek, but the perspective. Perception of OU as being down, quote unquote, pick third in the Big 12 preseason poll is down. But, you know, he laughed at that and said, you know, the players are still the players, still Oklahoma caliber players, but it takes time to settle in and to build a culture. And I think what we've been hearing uh, from, from the offseason and, and now into the summer is, is this feeling of, of a sturdier foundation in year two and a team both both in, in personnel, but in, in terms of the players and their understanding of the culture. Um, that that fits more what Brent Venables is looking for. I think you know if, if they've if they're wrong on this defensive personnel, Eric, that they brought in, uh, then then that will be a reflection on Brent Venables and his staff. I mean, they've they've brought guys in who are meant to fit the system they'd like that they that they're going to run. So you have that in personnel, but but then in culture, you know, Brent loves to bring up Danny Stutzman, and his favorite story about Danny Stutzman is that when he got here, Danny Stutzman didn't ask for her playbook, and now he's a guy that this team follows. And, and he talked about the fact that two years in or 18 months in, there are players on this team who couldn't have led a player-led practice this time last year. There are guys who are beginning to fit the mold of what they're looking for. And that takes time. And I, that, that to me is, is one of those things that stands out. If, if you're going to project out an OU season, that's a big turnaround, that's 10 wins, or you know the Sooners going back to Arlington for a Big 12 title game. There's all the personnel stuff, but but at the foundation of that, it's just whatever they're trying to implement, whatever the, the culture is, all that coming a bit more together in year two, that, that feels like it's all a part of that. Yeah, you mentioned that too. I mean, you know, everything was such a rush job uh, in year one, and you're still trying to figure your team out because they hadn't been on the field. 
Well, year two, uh, in terms of the transfer portal, you know your needs, you know what certain players can do, and you have more of a feel for what you needed. That's why this transfer portal class, and it's funny, you know, as a coach, you're more in tune with the transfer portal class than recruiting classes in terms of filling needs. You know what kind of players you need, and you know what you need to fill. So I think that that this transfer portal class will be so important in terms of, you know, making an instant impact, more immediate impact than that first transfer portal class. And in, in, in Stutzman, I, I feel deprived. I didn't even talk to Danny all day yesterday. I shook the hands with the other three, never crossed paths with Danny because I was Were always you intimidated. I, I must hair? have been, man. That hair. Yeah, dude, yeah, man. yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. blame you. I saw. I, I I got to talk to Drake Stoops. It was funny. I had a I, <laughs> I had a neat interaction. And this is this is funny. I was talking to Drake. I was trying to get an interview with Joe Stickley on all day yesterday. So it's just a side story here. So I'm finally finally waiting him out, waiting him out, waiting him out. So um, <laughs> I tell Drake. Joe starts walking over, and I'm gonna get to walk over, and a a, a young reporter goes over there. And cuts Joe off, says, you got a second? And I'm, like, pulling my hair out, like, oh. And then so while I'm waiting there, uh, I was well, like, so, okay, I'll wait for this one. Kirk Bowles, who I have the utmost respect for, walks over between me and Joe and the, the student reporter. So I know Kirk wants to get Joe, too. And Drake walks over and said, Drake, can you do me a favor? And Drake said, what's that? I said, can you take those two reporters out for me? Just take them out somehow so I can get to Joe. And Drake said, yeah, I can do that for you. I said, well, you can probably take the young guy out. No one would say nothing. But I said, if you take the old guy out, I'm talking about Kirk, who's a friend of mine. I said, that's probably life altering. That's probably, it's probably that we better not do that. So, but I had a good talk with, just just banter with Drake. I like Drake a lot. It's neat that I'm glad he came back for a six year and you get to see him play. But going back to Stutzman, that was a side note. I was just like, we said Drake's name and I thought about that. But going back to Stutzman, yes, I mean, that's the key. I mean, he said that, you know, Venable said Stutzman, couldn't run a player-led practice last year at this time. He said he couldn't go out there and, and but this year people are following him. People understand Setsman's running this defense. It's his defense. So and then that's what they needed. That's what they needed a lot. And they need those that leadership. We, they need accountability. They need people to hold others accountable. And that's what it sounds like Setsman's doing. So uh, he's the perfect uh, leader of this defense. He knows what Brent wants, and I think that's a key. And that's what Oklahoma needs. And, you know, again, just returning to the portal, the the, the numbers, right? That was 97 of how many, Eric? 97 of 123 first and second year players. So those would all be guys who did not play for Lincoln Riley, correct? Just to yeah. make a distinction. Basically, yeah, you're correct. So that's where, uh, you know, in the lead up now to the season, it's now these are Venables' guys. And, and on the flip side of that is, then this has to go right because that removed now is the excuse from a year ago that, you know, and, and it was a valid excuse that this was not Venables' roster, wasn't his personnel, all that, even for as ferociously as they hit the portal right after Brent Venables got here, especially on defense in 2023, this now really is his his defense. And so that that's why you should have confidence, I think, if you're an OU fan, is, is that a guy who has spent the last 22 years uh, coaching some of the best defenses in the country now has his guys, but by the same token, if that improvement isn't there, if it resembles more of last year, then that excuse at least is gone. These are the guys that Brent Venables and his staff went out to get identified for their defense. So there, there is that pressure there, but there's there's pressure everywhere in 2023 around around OU and in Norman. Guys, parting thoughts uh, from from the Big Twelve, Eric. Your your beef jerky count was what? 
I got three bags of beef jerky and disappointed in you too. Uh, I thought you could get me another. Those are rookie numbers. Well, I, I, I abstained this year. Yeah, I stayed away. You could have, you could have got a bag for me. You too, Dean. I'm kind of, kind of disappointed. I know you guys aren't beef jerky guys, but that's okay. Thank you so much to our good friends. Uh, I can't even remember the sponsor. Trey, whoa, can't remember old trapper. trapper. Come on, that's... Trapper Joe, is that what it was? Trapper, old Trapper, old Trapper. Old the trapper. funny part about old old Trapper old... after taking all their taking all their their beef jerky, I can't even think they're they're uh, yeah, Old Trapper, our friends at Old Trapper, best beef jerky in the world. I I gotta give a sponsor hit to them. Somebody in a boardroom at Old Tra Trapper HQ right now, just shaking their head because the whole point of them old being trapper. there is for people to know their name. The old trapper. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Trapper. Uh, the funny part of that is old trapper, uh, for the uninitiated, I guess, they show up at Big 12 Media Days every year and give out free jerky. Uh, their mascot is a one-for-one, one, like, body double, stunt double of the West Virginia Mountaineer, who surely shows up every year disappointed. Imagine you walk in, you're the West Virginia Mountaineer, you put on all your gear that day, you've gotten dressed up, and there's just someone else who looks like you. Taking photos and all that—terrible. Bad break. Eric, Eric, we met another mat. Well, supposed mascot. <laughs> we we met a true. we met a my my okay. So, my daughter, my oldest daughter, works at Disney World, and whenever you meet a friend of Mickey, that person usually is telling Mickey. secrets now. The person who works in the Mickey costume. So let's just say we met a friend of. Uh, uh, the what's his what Raider Raider Red Raider Red. We met a friend of yeah. Raider the elevator, and so yeah, all three of us met him. Right, we yeah. were all. You seem to know a lot about Raider Red for Raider not Red. being Raider Red. Went to uh, Robert E. Lee High School in San Antonio. I'm, I'm telling secrets now, Raider Red. Yeah, I'm secret. Yeah. So, and he, how did we find out he was the, the he he was wearing a t-shirt, right? <laughs> He's the two-time mascot of the year. He's a two-time mascot of the year, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't share that he was Raider Red. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're talking about. It's okay. So, but no. Anyway, going back. Yeah, we're getting. I'm getting way off tangent. Yeah. So anyway, so, great media day. Enjoyed it. It's great meeting the new schools. I, 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 it, it, that's that was the fun thing. Seeing the uh, the four schools and and they're excited. Seeing Gus Malzahn. I I know Gus. I've known Gus since 07 when he was at Tulsa. It was good, neat, kind of revisiting some of those special years in 07 at Tulsa. And, and it, it'll be fun seeing Oklahoma play three of the four schools this year. So it was a good time and. Just like the fans, I'm excited for football now. And and Eli, you and me will be in Nashville next week for SEC. Yeah. So this is just week one for us. We've got media days galore. I mean, Eric, think of all the free media meals and like <laughs> little swag. And Eric, I'll, I'll do a count. I'm going to beat you to Nashville. I'll do a count on how many folks are wearing shorts. There you go. Oh, yeah, that was another one. Yeah. I'm not wearing shorts in Nashville, I promise. <laughs> I think you can get away with it there. I think all, th all things go in the SEC, in my experience. <laughs> well, fellas, I think that's a wrap. We will be back, I think, on our own podcast channels next week. Eric and I uh, will both be in Nashville for SEC Media Days. Dean, I, as much as I'd like for you to get a break, something tells me there will be plenty of news still coming out of Stillwater. So, folks, keep up with Dean. Keep up with Eric and I. As always, you can find us – here at TulsaWorld.com, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Find all our work at TulsaWorld.com. Appreciate you listening.